The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Uh, John chapter 5, and uh, I, I believe I do have an agenda uh, for being in this place uh, this time, and um, I'm wanting to stir you. I'm, I'm really wanting to stir this church into believing God to come into another place and another realm in the Spirit of God. Um, I, I feel challenged in my own life personally for this. I, I want to keep pressing in, and I, I want to just share a little bit I'm, this is not my message, what I'm about to share, but I want to, uh, um, we're not going to be long tonight, but I, I want to share on something concerning hunger, all right? So let's just go to John chapter 5, Pastor Preston re- uh, read this out last night, and, and the 40th verse, and Jesus said, and still you are not willing, but refuse to come to me so that you might have life. I receive not glory from men, I crave no human honor. I look for no mortal fame, but I know you and recognize and understand that you have not the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and with His power, and you do not receive me. Your hearts are not open to me. You give me no welcome. But if another comes in his own name and his own power and with no other authority but himself... You will receive him and give him your approval. So Jesus said, you give me no welcome. Your hearts aren't open to me and you give me no welcome. One of the things the Lord requires from us to go into other levels and realms in the spirit, he wants us to put out the welcome mat. He wants to be welcome. We need to welcome the Holy Spirit and it must be more than just words. See, I don't know how you felt, but the people that were here today, just waiting in the Spirit of God and the soaking music going, I walked in the door and I could feel the immediate change in the atmosphere in the building because of what you did. So what we have to do, when we say, when we say how do we welcome the Holy Spirit, we create an atmosphere, we make a, we make a place for the Holy Spirit to come. If we want God to move. See, God's never moved by numbers. The only person moved by numbers are pastors. Hallelujah. But God is never moved by, by, by numbers. Only ministry are moved by numbers. Well, well, Doc, what kind of a crowd did you have last night? Who cares? Right? It's not about crowds. Be, because 500 met in the upper room waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Historically, 500, 380 went walkabout. Couldn't handle it. They just left. Left 120 men, women, and children up there in the upper room, right? And it was then the Holy Ghost came. To 120 people. Didn't come to 500. He came to 120 people and birthed the New Testament church. It, it was crazy in the upper room. 
And, and what is amazing, that it doesn't take a lot of people to welcome the Holy Spirit into a, into a church that, that means, well, let me explain it this way. 120, welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes in. People get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues. They were so noisy because the Bible says when this was noised abroad, the multitude came. And so somehow, supernaturally, thousands of people gathered around the upper room at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, that is freaky to say the least because at 9 o'clock in the morning, I am not looking to go to church through a weekday, right? But yet they, they were compelled, I believe, by the Holy Spirit because 120 people, a little group of people made the Holy Spirit feel so welcome, right, that he came and touched thousands. God doesn't need a big congregation and champions to touch the world. He just need look, if this is the only hungry people left in champions, God can use this group of people to bring thousands into the kingdom. You've, you've, you've got to think um, much more than what you, uh, just round here. You've got to start thinking in terms that if you welcome the Holy Spirit, if you build your ladder, and that, I'm falling apart here. Hallelujah. I'm sure Jesus didn't have this on the Mount of Olives. I, um, there was, listen, Brandy, you weren't there, were you? No, no, okay. And, and, and so, so uh, I've lost my point. Glory to God. I've got so much going on in my head today because he came in and shared with me something and I, I can't get that out of my head. Hallelujah. Um, but anyway, and, and so, so it doesn't take a lot of people. And I, I, I want to go back to a story that I heard on, in the Argentina revival. Uh, there, there was this guy, Ed, Ed, um, Ed um, oh, I forget his last name, uh, Edward, Edward Miller, a uh, phenomenal man of God, an American. And um, <coughs> I had him in my church in New Zealand. And he was one scary dude. Uh, his wife was also scary. And uh, I had them for, uh, for they had it for a meal in my house, and I was only a young pastor, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, and, and I'm sitting there with a man of God from the Argentina revival, and and uh, he's looking at me. He's he had that stare, which you know when people stare at you like that, you talk your silly head off. You know what I'm saying? And I just I found myself saying the most stupid things, and I couldn't stop. I knew I was being ridiculous, and I knew I was being immature, but I couldn't stop myself. How do you? Yeah, And he was like this. And the more he was like that, the more I talked. And so I thought, God, I want to get off this train. And so in, anyway, I ended up being in the in the meeting, and he they he, his wife stood up, got onto the keyboard, and she played. Uh, I don't know if you know the old hymn, Bring Me Near, Near to the Heart of God. Have you ever heard that hymn? It's really a beautiful uh, hymn. And uh, so she stands up and she starts to, uh, sits up there, she starts to play that. And, and um, I have no idea what to expect from this guy. And then he starts to sing it. So he starts to sing, Bring Me Near, Near to the Heart of God. And all of a sudden, my entire church is going, <laughs> 
like this. And I thought, because oh, I was young, now I'd understand. But on those days, my, I thought, I don't know what, a weeping devil or something. I don't know what was happening. And, it was so, and then I started to weep and I turned around to my spiritual father who came up to support me, right? And he's crying. I thought, what a hopeless outfit this is. <laughs> Glory to God. But it was an incredible move of God. But this is what he said. They had a prayer meeting for Argentina. And there was about four or five people in the prayer meeting. Now, as a pastor, if only four or five turned up at a prayer meeting, it would depress you. Because as ministry, we're just hooked on numbers. Remember, Jesus is not. And so, after a few days, few nights, Edward Miller turned around and he said, is there anybody getting anything? from the Lord. I mean, we're getting desperate now. Anything is God speaking to anybody. And the lady turned around and said, look, she said, I know this sounds crazy, but I really have a desire to go up and hit the table three times. And Edward Miller said, well, for God's sake, obey the voice of God and do it, right? So she gets off the chair and she belts the table three times and the glory of God came down on the room and revival broke out and thousands came to the kingdom of God, not because of a large gathering of people, but because there was a little group of people that made Jesus welcome. And I'm asking you here today, are you prepared to be not moved by numbers, but by, be moved by making a welcome for the Holy Spirit to come? There was a, he, he was, he, he, then he established a Bible school and there was a story of a, a young student. They were not allowed to leave the Bible school after a certain time. There was a curfew. Now, I don't know whether that was for their safety but this young man had to get away. He just felt he had to get away and seek the face of God. And so he escaped out of Edward Miller's Bible school. And he goes into the fields. And it's black. It's at nighttime. And he's praying to the Lord. And he gets this, this scary realization that someone is standing behind him. Right? I've got to rem I'm, I'm telling you the story because it began out of a woman smacking a table three times. In a, in a prayer meeting of about four or five. Now he's got hundreds in the Bible school, this young man, and he's aware, he's, he's kneeling down on the grass, and he's aware that someone's standing behind him, and he turns around, and there's a 30-foot angel standing there looking at him, right? And he, and he, he screams, he, he's scared out of his brain. We all think that if we have a heavenly encounter, we're going to say, oh, this is great, you know, but for goodness sake, if that happened to me, I would run my life. I wouldn't know what I was running from, but I'd be running. And so he starts to take off and he runs back to the Bible school. He's repenting for breaking curfew because he thinks it's all about the curfew, right? So he runs back to the Bible school for his life and, he get, and, he, and, and the door swings open in the Bible school and the angel's standing behind this door in the Bible school and freaked him out. 
and it brought a revival to the Bible school. There was repenting. The Bible schools, I think, was weeks in revival just in the Bible school, all because of four or five in a prayer meeting and a lady listened to God to smack the table three times. And one of the things, the thoughts I had here was that what God is about to do in Champions is going to affect, forget Abilene, uh, not forget it, but it's not all. God's about to affect nations because of this, because of this church. And I want you to start to expand your vision and believe God. I, I see people leaving here and going into nations and bringing the gospel. I see mission teams going in and out and bringing the gospel. But we have to believe God. I want you to take note of that because that is a true word from the Lord. I absolutely believe you're going to reach out. There's going to be a church that's going to be reaching out and reaching out to the nations. So let me just share a little bit on this. Hallelujah. <clears throat> when our focus is off the glory of God, sometimes the Lord will stop the flow, of, and I've found this to be true, stop the flow of blessing to bring us back to a place of hunger. And the problem with, with, with our church culture today all we see many times is the hand of God, but we lose sight of the face of God. Right? We want what God does, but we don't want the essence of who He is. We want to see the hand of God. We want to see the signs, wonders, and miracles, which is all scripturally legitimate, and we should be seeking those things, but it's got, to be the, it's got to be the face of God. If you seek the face of God, you'll see the hand of God. But if you seek the, the hand of God, speaking of what He can do, you can miss the prize and the treasure of the face of God, the very essence of God. I, I, Benny Hinn, my wife was listening to Benny Hinn in Australia. She came through to me and I was... Uh, preparing to, for my day, and she said, you know what Benny Hinn just said? She began to tell him, Benny Hinn said, don't be arrogant enough to think that your prayer, God has to answer your prayers because you pray. And what he was basically saying, and he went on in his discourse, he said, what we have to do <coughs> is cultivate the presence of God. When we cultivate the presence of God, and then we birth prayer out of the presence of God, then God answers prayer. Because many times we don't get answers because we answer amiss. But when we are in the presence of God, and we have cultivated the presence of God, our prayers come out of the presence. Really, I, I'm asking God for something now, one thing. I'm asking God for one thing right now, and it's been an everyday prayer. But normally, I ask God for very little. What I do ask God for is His manifest presence in my life, because I love the presence of God. I, I love what it does to me mentally. I love what the presence of God does to me emotionally. I just, I just love His presence. I know when the presence of God comes, I'm, I'm, I feel comforted. I feel all is well. I feel whatever difficulty I'm facing, I can handle anything. I'm up for all things. Right? Because we cultivate the presence of God. 
And you've got to learn to do that, not just in a prayer meeting. You've got to learn to do that through the day. And it's simply having a relationship with the Holy Spirit and talking to the Holy Spirit every day and loving Him for who He is. When Preston and I get together, uh, I mean, Preston drives a Ford truck. And when he can, hallelujah. So Preston drives a Ford truck, but one of the things that him and I have in common amongst many things is that we both like trucks and we both like outdoor stuff. I'm not a city dude. I'm an outdoor kind of a guy. Hallelujah, Marcus. All right, I love getting around the, in the, into the bush and the campfire and I love all that experience, but we have something in common with, with, with trucks, right? And so we'll, we'll get to, when he was picking me up, uh, last time as he picked me up on the truck, we talk about it, talk about the truck, drop me back, we talk about the truck. Men fellowship over things. Women fellowship over emotional things. Women will fellowship around the grandchildren. And, and, and you know, honey, how you doing? And, and you know, all that stuff, the lady stuff. And, and men, we bond, we actually bond together over stuff, right? How's your truck? And, and then man love starts to operate over the truck, right? You, you know, you get what I'm saying? How, how's your truck, man? Oh, it's going good, you know. And, and we just kind of chill and, and, and we're, make, we, we're saying, oh, I really like that guy because he likes, he likes my truck, even though it's a Ford. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's the great, his truck is the great driverless truck. Hallelujah. And, but one day it'll, be, it'll, it'll, it'll come out of the workshop, there'll be fanfare, there'll be angels and chariots of fire as all of a sudden they drive it out and you'll see it outside of the church, glory to God, in all its gleaming glory, hallelujah, while I'm driving a Nissan. Hallelujah, I hate Nissans. Now, I think you say Nissan, don't you? Nissan? Oh, a Frenchy way of saying it, eh? Ha, ha, ha. A drave and the song. A glory to God. Glory to God. I don't know where all this stuff comes from. Anyway, so, and I've lost my point again. This, is, this church has really affected me this time. I'm, I think I must be going mental. Hallelujah. Yeah, the presence of God. So I fellowship Preston. I love fellowshipping with him, right? So we fellowship. But the Lord is saying, I want, you can have that kind of fellowship that you have horizontally, vertically with me. And you can include him in it. When I sold my last four-wheel drive, the one before I've got now, I sat in a huge park and I was praying. And I said, Lord, should I sell this? Right? And I felt the Lord say, yes, you should. And, I, and because I was in prayer, I was waiting on the Spirit of God, I was talking to him like I would talk to press and press. And what do you reckon about my Chevy, man? Do you think I should sell it or, you know, buy a Ford? <laughs> um, yeah, do you trust me? And so, uh, you know, having this conversation, I was having that kind of a conversation now with Christ. And then I said, what do I buy? And he told me what to buy. And that's what I have today. And that was eight and a half, eight years ago. And it was a relationship thing. And that's, we've got to learn on a daily basis to make God welcome in everything we do. Wake up, try this, wake up every morning 
and say, my father, good morning. My day is yours. I was brought with a price. I do not belong to anybody else except you. I embrace the day that you made for me and I will rejoice and I will be glad in this day. Hallelujah. That sets your feet on, on terra firma right there. So let's go on here. One of the biggest challenges in the Christian life is to be full and hungry at the same time. Hunger is a sign of spiritual health. As in the natural, loss of hunger can be a sign that you're sick. A sign that there are issues in the spiritual realm is when there is no hunger. When you live in the, in the realm of blessing, one of the things that is required is to maintain hunger and the way you main, maintain hunger is humility. Hunger is the evidence of humility. Hunger says, I am in need, I am a needy person. Hunger says, I can't do this by myself. I need God every day of my life. Maturity in the kingdom of God is maintained by the posture of hunger and hunger is the evidence of humility because it recognizes that you are not self-sufficient, that you haven't got it all together, but that you need God to make it. You need God to exist. You need God to function. I need God. I need God because I am a resource to my family. I am a resource to my grandchildren. I'm a resource to my wife. She draws comfort and stability from me. I'm a resource of my, my daughter, daughters-in-law. I'm a resource to, to, to pastors who are my spiritual sons and my daughters who are spiritual daughters. I'm a resource to churches. I have to get my act together and I have to walk in the counsel of God so that I can counsel and be a resource to everybody else. But one thing I won't do, I won't go down giving up my gift. So I have to stay focused on my gift, but I, above all things, I need to stay focused on the Lord and I have to realize that every day I wake up in the morning, I need Him, that I, I am not self-sufficient. I'm not a self-made man. It worries me when I hear people say I'm a self-made man. I'm not self-made, I'm made by God. And I only know without God I could never do this because no one taught me to preach. I never went to a Bible school. I never graduated from a Bible school at all. I thought homiletics was a pot plant that you watered. <laughs> Glory to God. I didn't know what homiletics were, the structure of preaching and everything else. I was never taught. I haven't got, I go into pastor's office and I see the certificates on their office wall. You know, this, that, the next thing. I don't even have an ordination certificate. I'm not even officially credentialed. Yet, which is strange because I have a, a 501c3, which means that I can actually ordain people. Isn't that ironic? I can give you an ordination certificate after I find one on the internet. <laughs> Hallelujah, because I don't have them in my office if I had an office. 
<laughs> right? And so I would have to press print uh, and find one on the internet and put my name, Revival Fire Ministries, on there. And get, but I can do that. But, but you know what? I've seen a lot of people with credentials that will not welcome the Holy Spirit and are not walking in the power of God. So I think what you've got on credentials, not worth a, it's not worth the piece of paper it's written on. The Bible says that concerning the disciples, they saw that the disciples were unlearned and trained in the schools, but they had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Because that's going to speak louder than all your intellectual degrees and, and all your PhDs and everything else that you may get at a theological college. I'm not against theological colleges. I'm not against Bible schools. I have taught at many. And what I love when I teach at a Bible school at the end, I tell them I've never graduated from one myself. And it blows them right out of the water. And the, what makes us qualified, the Bible says he chose the base and the foolish to confound the wise. In other words, he when he chose me, he picked an idiot. Hallelujah. So that wise people, when confronted by an idiot who's actually speaking wisdom, they can't believe it and they get spellbound. Glory to God. Am I making sense tonight? I still haven't hit the message, but I'll get there, I think. Glory to God. Wonderful Jesus. Where in the heck are we? Glory to God. All right. In the natural, you get hungry by, by not eating. But in the spiritual, you get hungry by eating. It's a weird deal. Hunger is a place of humility which keeps us in a place of dependency. Hunger is a place of humility which keeps us in a place of dependency. Write this down. This next one's very good. Hunger, uh, hunger releases dreams. Hunger releases dreams. See, you two people here on the front row, these two young kids here. Right. I, f I feel so good in my spirit concerning both of you. And it's amazing because many times I'll go into a church and God, well, he did last church I was at. There was someone in the church. I picked on this young guy, Eli, and the Spirit of God spoke to him and told me, I'm going to use Eli. The trouble is with Eli, Eli was running from God, right? I didn't know Eli was running from God, but God knew he was running from him. And so I prophetically started to move over Eli's life. And Eli was standing with his mates in the church, he's a good-looking young man, but he was standing with his mates in the church, kind of like in the teenage posture. <laughs> like that, right? And looking at me up and down like I was just something that crawled out of a rock. And, and the Lord prophetically showed me what he was going to do. And I swung on him. And he got the shock of his life. Because when you start giving me the Elvis Presley curled lip look, Hallelujah. Love me, baby. I'm going to come after you, right? And so I, I, I prophetically got on, on Eli's case. 
and uh, and he came because his parents made his parents were on the worship team, so they made him. So he had to come. But but we went we went from this, love me tender, love me true, all my dreams come true. We went from that to like this. And I, and I watched the spirit of God fall on him, and the prophetic unlocked him. And when I first prayed for him, it was like laying hands on a brick, right? And then after about three meetings, I prayed for him. The power of God came down on him and he went back like this. And he's never had that before. The same way prophetically I feel connected with Eli, I feel connected with you and I feel so excited about your future. You're going to wake up in the morning and say, I'm alive. That's the first miracle at 77. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. My, my, my son said to me, he said, Pop, you, you love life so much that when you die, God's going to have to sneak up on you and just take you. Glory to God. <laughs> I love what he said about that. And he's right because I'll fight to the end. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> so hunger releases dreams. Hunger is going to release dreams in you too. As you hunger for the presence of God, don't complicate things. When you hunger for the presence of God, dreams are going to be released. Sleeping dreams and living dreams. I got prophesied over me one time and I passed the prophetic word on to you. My pastor prophesied, he said, like Joseph, Joseph of old, I have made you a dreamer. And like Joseph of old, God has made you to be a dreamer. The dreams are going to be specific for you, but they're going to be for others. And will motivate and send out others as well extend your own ministry. Hunger releases dreams. The Bible says the young men shall see visions and the old men shall have or see, or, or see dreams. Hallelujah. Young men see vision, have vision because they have youth and they have enthusiasm. We older have dreams because we have lived a life. We do have some wisdom under our belt and we're able to process dreams easier than a young person could. Hallelujah. Without hunger, we have loss of passion. Without hunger, we are no longer in pursuit of the presence of God. Ever had an encounter with God that you never wanted to stop? I've had encounters with God I've never wanted to stop. And it's like the disciples, when they, when they were, before he was taken up from them, he said, this is a good place to be in. They wanted to build a tabernacle. They wanted to build something to monumentalize what Jesus was doing when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
I want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher just for the sake of a job. I want to be a preacher. But, but before I want to be a preacher, I want to be a lover of God. I want to learn how to welcome the Holy Spirit. I want God to give me wisdom how to welcome Him. How do you welcome God? Just waiting on the presence of God. Build a ladder. Having times just before meetings like you had where you just soak in the presence of God. You need soaking music at home where you can just shut the whole world out and just sit there and just allow God to wash over you. You don't always have to talk to God. We talk our silly heads off. And God's trying to get a word. I watch him. He's like this. And, and because you're talking your stupid head off, right, God can't speak to you. Just sit down, enjoy the presence of God. He can speak to your heart. He knows what you have before you even ask Him. This church has a great future. I love this church. It's, it's a great church. It's got a great future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is amazing. And you've got your own building too. This is cool. I love that. Some churches scramble for their own building. Uh, you know, they go, when, when I was pioneering a church in Australia, I had, uh, this is the only thing I could do. I had one building for the Sunday morning service, one building for the Sunday night service, and one building for the Wednesday night service. Do you know how crazy that, that gets? We had to drag a trailer, and I somehow had to keep the men who were doing this motivated to actually want to do this. And so in the morning service, I would be up there because it was a dance hall. And so I'd be sweeping the beer cans and the cigarette butts off the floor because they wouldn't clean up after the Saturday night. We'd clean it up, and we'd worship God in the smell of stale beer and, 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 and nicotine. And we built, we built hundreds of people doing that route. Hallelujah. Hunger is a, has a motivating factor that causes people to move out of themselves into something greater. God wants to bring you into something greater, into a greater thing, a gr greater than yourself. Bigger than yourself. Hallelujah. I've written down here, it's a, it's a great phrase. I don't know where I got it from. I did steal it. If I don't maintain hunger, I will live off the interest of yesterday's memories. If I don't maintain hunger, I will live off the interest of yesterday's memories. Living in the past reveals lost hunger for the present things of God. Some of you are so caught up with yesterday and so caught up with what the past has done to you or you have experienced. Every person in this place, I don't care how spiritual you look, if you can speak in tongues and backwards, if you speak in tongues in Afghanistan, I don't care. You can look here and be so spiritual, but all of us have history. And all of us got up to stuff, even as Christians, we wish we had never done and, or never said. 
I'm not pointing to you intentionally, Marcus, here. So forgive me. It's just you're on the front row, brother. You're just in the... Hallelujah. Right. We've all got history. I've got history. Yes, there are people I've hurt. There are people I've said things to as a Christian I wish I'd never said. There are actions I've done I wish I'd never done. But God delivered me from regret because regret kept taking me back, back to where I used to be when God was trying to take me into the future where he wanted me to be. You can't keep going revisiting yesterday. And the enemy is, is 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 a great producer and director of movie reruns. The fact that you get a movie rerun of something that you did in the past means that the devil has nothing current on you. Hallelujah. We all should wear hats under construction, have patience. <laughs> Glory to God. I watched my kids grow up. And, 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 and I watched my kid, my, my, young, my young son Robbie right now, He's just having a time of his life in the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's devotionals every day, he's taking his family through devotions. He's having a real experience in God right now. But, I, but I've watched all my boys struggle, uh, you know, between the pressure from outside in the world to the, to, to the Lord, uh, as far as the Lord is concerned. And I've watched all that. And, and this times I've despaired. But that's the same way that God is with us. He watches, he's watched us grow. And often I thank God, God, thank you for being patient with me. When I was really screwing up, you never left me. You showed me incredible mercy. You gave me incredible grace. Hallelujah. And I love that about God. The Bible says His mercy endures forever. And I embrace the grace and the mercy of God every day of my life. And one of the things I have learned over many, many years is to absolutely be in love with life itself. My mother was like that. My mother was, my, my parents were poor, uh, poverty stricken. They, I don't know what happened. They had a fallout from grace socially. I don't know what happened. Still don't know. My mother was an opera singer in New Zealand, brought up in, in theater and was a producer. She produced theater. And, and I was brought up in this zany, crazy household which I totally loved and hated all at the same time. And, uh, and, and even my mother on the, on the deathbed, uh, the surgeon leaned over, she was in a coma. And I was flying over from Australia to New Zealand to try and get her while she was still alive. And, and he leaned over and said, her name was Elsie. Elsie, you'll never, you'll, you're, this is it, you're not going to make it. She woke up out of it. This is how resilient she She woke up out of a dead coma and said, we'll see about that. <laughs> Glory to God. And that's the kind of spirit that I have inherited, right? You, you get my mother and I in the same room, both competing for attention. Hallelujah. I just love being with mum. Glory to God. And she died. She's died. But she lived life. She was poor as a church mouse. You do have that saying here, poor as a church. She was poor as a church mouse. I did my best to support her most of her life. My father walked out on her when I was 17 years old and threw the whole, the whole family into disarray. I've got one brother. He's in the hospital. Pray for him. 
he's having surgery today, his foot just went <laughs> like this. And so they're, they're wanting to put his foot back to where it is. Glory to God. Because no one wants to walk around like that, do they? So yeah. boom, they're doing surgery. But he doesn't, he's got a very shallow appreciation of the things of the gospel. But he's a recluse, and so he's by himself. I'm not there with him. <coughs> and even if I was, he'd feel uncomfortable going through this. It's a bit of a crazy deal, right? But, 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 my mother loved life. You've got to love life. The more you get into the presence of God, the more you love life. You do. The more you get into the presence of God because you're partaking of his life. And I, I just love it. So, so we can't be hungry by ourselves. We need help to be hungry. Glory to God. Turn with me to the book of Acts, just quickly, to the book of Acts. And then I'm going to wind this up. The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. I, I, I remember one time I was at a black church and um, quite a... <coughs> I love the pastor and his wife, but his pastor was a skinny little guy. He had made a good jockey. And, um, and uh, it was right in the middle of the move of God in, 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 um, in America in the 90s. And God was pouring out his revival fire. And I was in this black church of about 600 blacks. And, and uh, anyway, his history was that he was a pimp. And, and his now wife was the woman he was pimping out. A, you know, we had a stable of women, but this was one of the girls that he pimped out was now his wife. So he was an intriguing, an intriguing little character. And she was an intriguing lady. And, um, but they had a great church, 600 people in the church, brilliant church. I love the church. And of course, they took an offering in the morning service and they counted it um, while I was preaching. And so when I finished preaching, I've never had this before, but the, the pastor stands up and he says, we counted the offering, it wasn't enough, it's going around again, $10 each everybody. That's what he said in the church and handed around the offering and it came in. I thought, my God, I, I, did I live through this? I couldn't believe this. And it was interesting because he always had a fear of dying in a hospital bed. And he died in a hospital bed. And his wife is now running the church. I haven't seen her for years. But, but I watched God pour out his move in, in the 90s. And, and I've, I've had moments where God, God has used me in a profound way in revivals. And they've just broken out suddenly. But turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 1, rather. And, and I want to... <coughs> I want to look at verse 8, well-known scripture. It says, but, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends and the very bounds of the earth. Verse 13, when they entered into the city, they mounted the stairs to the upper room where they were indefinitely staying. So their attitude was, until he comes, we're not moving. Peter, John, and James, Andrew, Philip, and, and Thomas, and the rest of them, 
Verse 14, all of these with their minds in full agreement. That's what God wants corporately from us. To stay until the glory of God comes and be in full agreement with this matter. They devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer. In other words, they devoted themselves to building a ladder on earth to building an access for the glory to come, waiting together with a woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then in Acts chapter 2, we know the story when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place when there came a sound from heaven like the rush of a violent mighty wind. So we have to make a decision I believe, do we want the glory of God in champions or do we want this church to be like any other church in the neighborhood? You make the choice. I can't make the choice for you. You make the choice. Do you want a visitation? Do you want a revival? Let me close with a, 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 this last story. This friend of mine, hands up those who have heard of Todd Bentley. Anybody heard of Todd Bentley? My. God, I, look, we need some revival teaching going on in this church. Hallelujah. Um, Todd Bentley was a man who, he's a Canadian, and um, he's got tattoos from here down to uh, his toes. Todd Bentley uh, was scheduled to go to a friend of mine's church in Lakeland, Florida, Stephen Strader. Stephen Strader wrote a book on this revival. And so um, uh, Todd Bentley was scheduled to do a three-nighter uh, at this church. And so he, he arrived at the church, he did three nights, and the place was packed. I, I, I think it probably holds a thousand, because I've preached there many times. Uh, it probably holds a thousand. It's a great building. And so <coughs> uh, it was an old supermarket, which they renovated. And so the place was packed three nights. And then they decided to keep the meetings going. And the, and the people increased in number astronomically. And to make a long story short, they, uh, Stephen, the church had lost so many people uh, prior to the move of God that he was going to uh, put off staff. He was planning to put off staff and planning to sell the building. And this is where he was. And Stephen's a great, great friend of mine. I love him to death. I love him to life. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and um, anyway, so, so what happened then was that this, uh, they decided to continue on the meetings. Well, it ended up like this, that Stephen had to add, he added 21 more staff <laughs> on the church. And he said, do you realize that when you have a revival, how many toilet paper rolls you've got to buy? He said, you'd be surprised how much toilet paper we had to purchase. Right? A church going broke. The, the, the morning meeting, which Todd never took, but different pastors from all over the nation, the meeting had a thousand every meeting. And Todd said, you take the morning's offering for the utilities and I'll receive the night meeting uh, offerings, right? Well, that got so big 
And this was a small church, not a big church, big building, small church. And so what happened was they had to shift the night meeting out of this church and into bigger venues. And when I went, it was in a stadium. The first time I went to this church, he told me that a residual of money from the revival still was running about $700,000 in their bank. Because the Bible says, in the day of power, my people are willing. See, we want finance, but the presence of God. It says, in the day of power, I think it's Psalm 24. In the day of power, my people are willing and offer themselves. And so people will give when there's a move of God. My friend, Stephen, and his wife, they went to an outdoor stadium. In the end, they went to an outdoor venue. Something like ten to 12,000 out a night. And she looked and she said, Stephen, you see what I see? And he said, no, what? There was a 50-foot angel appeared briefly in this outdoor stadium it came in kind of like this, whoosh, and it stood there for, for not long, came in whoosh, and all the people in wheelchairs, people got up out of their wheelchairs and walked, and they went whoosh away again. And this is from a small church that had a massive revival. 380,000 people went through there in nine months. I want to stir you before I pray for people tonight. I want to stir you up because if God can do that with another small church, He can do that with you if you have a mind to welcome the Holy Spirit and to do what God wants you to do. Start thinking outside of yourself. Say, God, I want everything that you've got for us. Not just for me, but for the church. Bring a revival to Abilene. But busloads of people are coming and coming to the church. Do you have an airport here? May God, may all the Cessnas come in here. Glory to God. You do have an airport. Do jets fly in? They do. Okay, well, I didn't know. Okay, so, so may people come by the bus. You have to start... Listen, do you know what I would do if I was you for a while? I, there's, there's stacks of stuff, there's stacks of movies, there, all things on revivals that have gone on in the past in America. You need to give a dose of that for a while. Whew, glory to God, Azusa Street. Hands up those who have heard of Azusa Street revival. The great Azusa Street revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, tonight we ask you, by, the, by your power and your anointing, give us a corporate hunger for your presence. We, we ask you today, send a revival, send an awakening to this church. Visit God, blow the breath of the Holy Spirit into this place in Jesus' name. Let there be a stir in the Holy Ghost. Let there be a stir in people. Draw people by your Spirit into this house. 
Father, we'd love to see busloads coming because of the revival fire and the glory of God resting on this house. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.